speaking after playing the drums. I'm not used to playing the drums. And so when you add playing the drums to, uh, an, I wouldn't say overweight, but a healthier gentleman, uh, and then ask him to preach, I get a little winded. So everybody, step back and just take a deep breath with me. I think we're going to be all right. I think we're going to be all right. So we're going to we're going to have an awesome time tonight. If I can catch my breath uh, through this, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Samuel, chapter eight, verse four through six. And I told you I'm going to be speaking on apostolic identity, apostolic identity, and I'm building a, f- a foundation tonight. And so to build a foundation, I'm going to do this the next two weeks because it's going to take me a little bit. I, I have a lot of information that I want to be able uh, to give you. And so I feel like the best way would be for me to build a foundation. And so uh, the series, we've got the simple truth. I'm speaking on apostolic identity. But tonight's subject, I want to, I want to talk to you, preach, teach, treat, whatever you want to call it. The path to worldliness. The path to worldliness. And I think that that has a lot to do with apostolic identity. And that is falling out of love with this world and falling in love with the kingdom of God. And so I think that is very important. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 through 6, the Bible says, Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old. That's rude. And thy sons walk not in thy ways. Basically, he says, You're old and your kids are a wreck. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They said, You know what? We've been holy for too long we've been we have been led your way for long enough we want a king like the rest of the nations but the thing displeased Samuel when they said give us a king to judge us and Samuel prayed unto the Lord this is a story about Israel's path to worldliness and I think it will relate to where our lives are right now if we could let's bow our heads and let's pray can we do that lord we love you tonight god we thank you god we give you all the glory all the honor lord i'm asking you to minister in this house tonight god lord help us save us god lord draw us closer to you lord in the name of jesus we pray and everybody said amen I will say this before I get started. If you were not here last night, the university was absolutely awesome. And I think we owe Brother Jeremy and Sister Jody a hand clap. They did a fantastic job. And it's not just last, or it wasn't just last night. It is for the next five weeks. If you have not signed up, you need to sign up and it's going to be awesome. The path to worldliness. Stay with me as I build a foundation. Israel was brought out of Egypt by the mighty hand of the one true God. And God demonstrated His power over the Egyptians by a series of plagues. And in doing so, He informed the world that there was no God like Jehovah. 
And when Jehovah was done, it was evident to the Egyptian life and culture that there was a king and there was a Lord that was higher than Pharaoh. It became evident that there was a king of kings and a Lord of lords. Let me tell you, I don't care who is in the White House, God is still the king. I don't care who's the governor, God is still the ultimate authority. And so, one of the things that we see taking place throughout the Old Testament is that they went into Egypt a family. It was a family of about 70 people. But when they come out, they come out a multitude and literally a nation in this world. A nation that had never existed before. Could you imagine the switch? Going from servants and slaves to a nation literally overnight. There was a lot of work to be done. Stay with me as I build a foundation. I promise you I'm going somewhere. And Jehovah as king established the new nation that he would rule. He began to organize it. He would be, he began to structure it to all of us that thinks that church should not be structured. Can I tell you the God that we're coming to church to worship was a such structured God. He was an organized God. He still is. The Bible said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't come to me with that stuff that, well, I don't think that church ought to be organized. I understand what you're saying. And we need to let the Spirit move. And we do that. We take the schedule out. But let me tell you, God is not against schedule. And he's not against organization and he's not against planning and he's not against excellence he's not against that and so he decided that there would be a leader and it was a man by the name of Moses who would be a prophet leader over the land of Israel eventually before that they before they would get there and throughout the wilderness as a nation was formed Moses would be the voice and even after they would go into the land of Israel they would continue to rule the land with prophets and with judges but before we can go any further we must understand while that there was prophets and there were judges we must understand that there was only one king we've got to know that that it doesn't matter where we are what state we live in if it's in San Francisco if it's in a liberal state if it's a conservative state we have got to remember where no matter where we are what country we call home it doesn't matter who is leading it God is always the ultimate authority always and we must always remember that God has the last say I don't care what my spouse says I don't care what your mother says I don't care what the president of the United States of America says I don't care what what the, the UK says God has the last say he has the last say so there's also a high priest in this organization while the structure's going on. I mean, really, it's remarkable when you see Israel today and to know where it came from all those years ago. There was a lot of thought that went into this. There was a lot of structure. And there, there's, there was a man by the name of Aaron who was appointed high priest due to Moses' request. We know the reason for that. We remember when Moses says, I'll do it, but I want Aaron. And so he chose 
chose Aaron to help him. But there was even more organization than that being going, uh, go, going on. There was a military captain by the name of Joshua who commanded the military and then this great nation, this great multitude is organized even further. They've broken up into 12 tribes by this time. The 12 tribes of Israel and even in the 12 tribes they would be too much for 12 individuals to organize so we see that there is an understanding of the breaking down the organization even further. The Bible lets us see that there was rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, even rulers of tens. This is all God organizing and structuring his people. So let me tell you this. I'm not talking about this right now, but I want to throw this in. When pastor comes and asks you, will you cover this? It may seem like a small department, but it does matter. It absolutely does matter. It matters because if we're going to grow in this church, if we're going to grow in this area, we've got to have people with enough vision and enough purpose to know that if we're going to take this church to the next level, there's got to be leaders at all places. See, we get, we get a mindset sometimes, and I don't know where it comes from, but we get a mindset that, that says pastor's going to do everything. Pastor's going to do all things. And let me tell you, this church is not like that, obviously. This church is, is led by many different people. But we've got to get out of the mindset that says, I'm just going to belong to the church. I'm just going to be a part of the church. But we've got to get a mindset that says, if I'm going to go to this church, I'm going to get involved in some area at some department, at some place. I don't care how small it is, how large it is. I'm going to get involved. That was not where I was going, but I thought I needed to throw that in there. And so then we get to the book of Joshua. I'm trying to hurry because it's a big foundation to get to where I'm going. We get to the book of Joshua. What an exciting time that is. If you've ever read the book of Joshua, you know what I'm talking about. That is after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness and observing the passing of those 20 and above, it is time to possess the promises of God that had brought them out in the first in the first place is there anything more exciting than seeing the promises of God come to pass is there anybody in this place on this Wednesday night that can be a witness to say let me tell you I've seen the promises of God in my life is there any elder in this place that's lived long enough that can look at some of us young whippersnappers and say hey I'm telling you if you'll stay around long enough there's some promises and there's some blessings that if you live an apostolic, holy, righteous lifestyle, that there are some blessings that are going to come into fruition. Nothing quite like it. Stay with me. The promises being unfolded starts with the walls of Jericho come down. You remember we used to sing about it in Sunday school. The walls of Jericho come down and, and the beginning of the operation of possessing the land and truly a day of shock and awe when the day, the day that they went in and they took possession of the land and they become just such a dynamic power. The presence of God was with them. Nothing could stop this family of 70 that started out in the wilderness that had no leader that had no way but all of a sudden the presence of God sets upon them and he begins to structure it and organize it and all of a sudden it wasn't just a group of people meandering around the wilderness but all of a sudden with God's help there's this group of people with a force
rush behind them and they become a power in this world. They become a power in this world. Walls of water on each side where it had split walking through on dry ground. Remember that? Walls come tumbling down as they march around only because of the God that they served. Never having to take one sword out of its case. Never having to raise a bow and an arrow like so many armies before them. So many emperors that led armies into places. Never once having to cause bloodshed shed by their own hand. But they walked into a place and they captured it not by brute force but because they had the presence of the almighty God on the, I'm telling you I wish some. I know it's Wednesday night but I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and know that if God is for us nothing can be against us nothing can stop us oh hallelujah it was all because of the power of their Jehovah we better not ever forget it's not by our might it's not by our strength but it's by God Almighty and when Israel walked in to possess the land brother Tommy Wilbanks they walked in with an anointing that was on their life they were weaker than they were they were smaller than they were but they had something greater than this world had ever seen or experienced before and that was their Jehovah the great King Jehovah and the world knew about this king he knew about this king you see throughout history I feel the Holy Ghost in this place throughout history they would refer back to this God and what he had had done how he overthrew the Egyptians they referred to it the Philistines and the Canaanites so I ask you the question tonight I built my foundation I ask you this question how did Israel disintegrate from being the envy of the ancient world, the children of an ever-present God, to the status that it holds this, this present day? A dispersed nation. Dispersed throughout the world. I mean, you can turn on the news. And people are trying to overtake Israel and, and the Palestinians and all the things that are happening at the border. And I mean, you see, I mean, the, the common names involved, Donald Trump and Barack Obama and, and some of the things that are, that have happened. How, how did Israel get to the place that it's at in this present hour, in this present day? You have to realize, I heard a man say this, that there are more Jews in New York than there are in Israel today how how does this happen how does this happen they were on the path with the blessings of the Lord on their side not only that but even though the Lord had brought them out of the bondage of the Egyptians they would eventually go back into the bondage of the Babylonians and they would once again be dispersed as well as we would see in the New Testament whether it be in the ba in Babylon in 722 BC 586 BC whether it's coming to take over take over with Alexander the Great or Rome or the eventual destruction of the temple in 70 AD how we see this path this path that would take place and the Bible lets us know that our path frequently mirrors Israel's path those who are well favored of God and let me tell you we are a favored people we are a favored people. The people of God. 
You'll see, you'll see in Corinthians that we, we refer to throughout Corinthians. Paul said this, he said, We are provided an account, an account with Israel. They are an example to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 lets us know that God was not well pleased. We can see this path. We can see it a mile away. You'll notice, you'll notice when people start backing up. You'll notice when a nation starts backing up. You'll notice when a preacher starts backing up. It's noticeable when I start taking the wrong road. Let me tell you, your kids notice. I notice. You yourself, if you're honest with yourself, you yourself notice. And Israel is headed down the wrong path. Bodies scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to, in, with, to the intent that we should not lust or desire after the evil things as they did. He let them know that the reason their bodies were scattered throughout the wilderness was because of the desires of their flesh. They loved, Brother Ashcraft, the things of this world. Israel, Israel, the, the, the envy of the ancient world, the, the nation that everyone looked at and thought what it must be like to have Jehovah on your side, to win a battle without pulling out a sword, to possess a land without ever taking bloodshed with your own hand. Israel fell in love with the things of this world. They had a hunger for worldly ideas and culture overtook them. It caused them to fall by the wayside. It caused them to miss fully what God had for them. And tragically, there are so many in our contemporary world who are following the same path as Israel. I promise you this will make sense. It'll make sense come, come next week when I start talking about specific things and apostolic identity. But let me tell you, it's tragic. You can look at this place on Sunday. Good people, good men and women, great families. But you can see, if you could sit where I sat on Sundays, you can see when someone's eye has been caught by this world. Men and women who used to walk with confidence in the Lord, who, who had such an anointing and a desire to please God. All of a sudden now, they have been drawn away by this culture, by the ideas of man in this day. They're distracted because of the lust that they have for this culture and because of the desire of their flesh outweighs the desires of their spirit. Can I tell you, I've been there before. I've been there. I have been there. I've been there. I, it hasn't been too long ago. I've been there while living for God, while preaching. I have held a mic and been so backslid in my heart. My desire at some of those times, and I never let it show, 
And I tried my best to hide it, but there have been times, Brother Steve Kirtman, that the grip of this world had a hold of me. And it was by the grace of God that I found an altar because I kept showing up to the presence of God, to the house of God. And it was by the grace of God that before I destroyed my life, Brother Kevin Luster, before I let bitterness get a hold of me, before I made an excuse of why I shouldn't be a preacher, I shouldn't bring my family to church, I found me an altar and I said, God, get a hold of me because I know where I'm headed. It's not going to be fruitful and it's not going to be blessings that come my way. Because the desire of their flesh outweighs the desire of their spirit. Many fall by the wayside. They aren't making it. What does Matthew say? He says, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many that go by it. There are more headed that route than God's route in this day. And that's sad. That's so sad. Samuel records a narrative that takes place a generation later after Israel has possessed the land for, for the sake of time. I'll try not to read it all. But I wish, I wish, Pastor Porterfield, can you bring up? I like when somebody reads it so I can commentate on it. Does somebody have 1 Samuel chapter 8? 1 Samuel chapter 8. Here you go, Pastor. First Samuel chapter 8. Here's your microphone. This is Samuel. After they have possessed the land, they possessed the land. Go ahead and start with verse 1, Pastor Porterfield. Actually, you know what? Start with verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him behold thou art old and thy sons walk not in thy ways now make us a king to ju judge us like all the nations but the thing displeased Samuel when he said when they said give us a king to judge us and Samuel prayed unto the Lord stop right there for all this time these people have been blessed by God Miracle after miracle. Blessing after blessing. God opened door after door. He gave them land that they necessarily did not deserve. And now they're at a place where they said, Samuel, I know that we've done this for so long. And I know this is the way that it's always been done. And we've been successful up until this point. But you know what? We're tired of it. And they started carnality creeped in. And you could see from the very beginning because they started putting limits on some of God's decisions. They looked at the man of God and they said, he's too old. And then they didn't stop there. They said, his family doesn't even walk in his ways. And so there is Samuel standing there, the man of God that has been with him all of this time. And they look at him, Brother Steve Kirtman, they said, sir, you're too old. We don't want to follow you anymore. And your family, your boys don't even want to follow you. So why should we follow you? And now, now I think that we're going to go the route that everyone else takes. We want a king like all the other nations. Go ahead. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. 
So, so God steps in and he says, he says, I want you to let them know exactly what they are asking for and what they are headed for. He said, Samuel, if they reject you, they're not rejecting just you. They're rejecting me. He said, and when you reject, he said, when they reject you, you let them know. You say, he said, I'll answer that prayer. That, that, that lets me know you better be careful what you ask for. Because there's some things that if we pray persistently enough, that if we are, 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 are adamantly ask something and consistently say it, that even if it's beyond our best interest, God will say, I'll give it to you if that's really what's in your heart. That's right. And some of you, we better, we better be careful. If, we got, if we're looking, we say, well, I wish I had this. And I wish I had that. And I wish I never knew this way. And I wish I never had this. And if I hadn't had never showed up years ago I wouldn't be putting up with this and if you're not careful he'll, he'll allow you to believe a lie and be damned he's done it all through the scriptures if you want something bad enough God said I'll give it to you I'll give it to you and so Israel says I want a king like all the other nations and he, and, and, and he looks at the prophet and he says you go ahead Samuel he said and you let them have it but you let them know before they do what they're going to get when they get this go ahead and read on pastor According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit, yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. Go to verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will right, take listen to this. He, he said, if this is the route that you want to take, and you don't, want to, you don't want to go the holy route, you don't want to go my route, he said, let me, let me tell you, this is what's going to happen. This is the manner of king that I will give you. Go ahead. He will take your sons. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be... Uh, his horsemen and some shall run before his chariots and he will, will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots and he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers and he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king. I want you to hear this real quick. Which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, Lord, stop right there, and that, that's all I need for, for right now. The Lord says, you're going on a path that will eventually close my ears to your voice. He said, know where you're headed, Israel. Know where you're going. He said, I brought you out of bondage. I brought you out of bondage. He said, but if you're not careful, you're headed right back to it. You see, the elders got together. 
They started bringing up things that in a carnal world might matter, but in the kingdom of God, not so much. And they begin picking out everything that they thought were flaws, just like I said earlier. Samuel's older. Why don't we continue to listen to him? His children aren't walking in our way. So, so what should we do? We have got a prophet. We've had prophets. I'm tired of this lifestyle. We've been being led since the beginning by prophets. So what should we do? Here's the solution. Give us a king like all the other nations, like the rest of the world, because we want to be just like everyone else. The path to worldliness. I have to ask you, what was it about the world that was so appealing to Israel? I know this is slow tonight, but I promise you, if you'll listen, I feel like it's going to help somebody tonight. What was it about a king or a monarch? What was it about the style of leadership that was so attractive to them? In those days, kings enjoyed limitless power and authority. Whatever they wanted, they would have it brought to them. They were believed to be lowered by the gods as a part of creation, as an attempt to organize the world. And so, what you see as just a Pharaoh, they seemed sons of God or representatives of God. What was it about Egypt and Canaan and the Philistines that made them say, we want to stop being us? And be more like them. What is it? You say, well, relate that to us. Let me ask you that same question. What is it about this world that's so attractive that makes you want to stop being you and be more like them? What is it that's so attractive? That's so, that, 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 that's so good looking to us. It makes no sense. The very people that tried to destroy us, Israel, is the very people that we want to pattern our nation after. What was it? What, what is it? Was it, was it the conquest at that time that would take trade routes and natural resources that would bring slave labor into their kingdoms? Or, or was it the, really this? Was it that, that our king is invisible? Israel says, is, is, it, is it that our king, your king was invisible? Was it superficial reasons? Was it because their king wa wasn't flesh and bones? Moses said he was an invisible God. We as a world, we love the fame, don't we? We loved it, man, when Donald Trump got the got president. And some of us, we we had a conniption fit because we just thought that was the greatest thing, and it was awesome. And I'm I'm, tell, I don't, I'm not going to give my political view on all that stuff, but but we we get so wrapped up in presidential elections and and what's going on in the world and what's going on in the government because we as people we love that we love the fame we love the fortune. That's why on People's Magazine on the front we see Prince William and we see Princess Kate and it's staring at you because people love prestige. That's why we can't get enough of Hollywood and the celebrity celebrityism and, and all the things that are going on. Was it that, was that why Israel wanted a king? What was it? What was so attractive to them? America celebrates our freedom. 
We love celebrating things that we accomplish ourselves. We love tradition, don't we? We what was it national pride? Was it patriotism? Was it that Israel wanted that that what was it that Israel wanted the rest of the world what the rest of the world had? I'm not exactly sure as what it was that made them say, "I want a king like everybody else." But I do know that they were more focused on their surrounding world than what God had done in their lives. They were more focused on the world around them than what Jehovah had done throughout their history. They were more focused on being like the world and what the world had to offer than the God that delivered them out of bondage. They were more aware of the way the world operated than the way that their God had granted them grace and mercy. They were more focused on what they were doing without than what God had done in their lives. Somebody hear me tonight. If we're not careful, we will get so distracted about how much money can we make? How many vacations can we take? How much stuff can we get? We look across the road. We look across. We look, we look at our family members. We watch television. We watch Netflix. We have shows and, and constantly we are being indoctrinated by, by this world. We're being indoctrinated by, 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 by the things of this world and, and it's pouring into us. It's coming every, every time we turn on the radio. Every time, every, some of us, we don't, I'm not naive. Don't all of us listen just to gospel music? Do you think I'm crazy? crazy. I know you don't. I know you get on there and you turn that, that radio on over at the country and they're singing about the, the good old days and they're singing, I don't even know what they're singing about, but, but they're singing about the way of what they're singing about a culture. I'm not preaching against what you're listening to, but don't you hear what I'm saying? They're singing about a culture. And boy, we love that culture, don't we? Oh, we love it. We ride down the road in back roads. And I'm going to tell you what, ain't nothing like riding down Mississippi on them back roads. I love it. I grew up on them back roads. I rode horses on them back roads. I love it. I, I love the way I grew up. I love the way I was raised. But if we're not careful, we'll love that more than we love the kingdom of God. We'll be more excited about when we get our 40 acres and our beautiful house on that 40 acres more than we are excited about getting to heaven. And there's a, there's a, I'm telling you, we serve a God and we have a father that's got cattle on a thousand hills. Let me tell you, my measly 10 acres don't mean nothing to where I'm headed. But if we're not careful... We're not careful. We'll get to a place where we're so distracted by everything around us. It's a certain way we, we watch these shows. And before you even realize it, it's speaking into you. It's filtering into your life. And you, you don't even know it. You don't even know it, but you're forming your life on a off of a character that doesn't even exist. You don't even realize it. And we forget we're just like Israel. What Paul say? He said we've been. Israel was given to us as an account, as an example. And if we're not careful, 
We'll forget what God's done for us. We'll forget what God has done for us. It's very important today that we understand that the rejection of the prophet was not the rejection of a man. It was the rejection of Jehovah. I've heard people say, I haven't rejected God. I just don't like His church. I don't care for a preacher. I don't care having somebody speak to me like that. I don't care having somebody tell me what to do. Let me tell you, we better have a pastor in our life. And that's what happened to Israel. Is They didn't want a pastor anymore. They didn't want a man of God in our life. And so what they did, they said, I don't need that. And God looked down and said, if you don't need that, you don't need me. And, and I'm telling you, if we're not careful, we'll fall in love with the world and say, hey, that's what I want. And that's what I want to be. But let me tell you, it's not godly. It's not biblical. And it's not the way God wants us to react. Paul said Israel was given to us for an example. We have an account with Israel. And so when we reject God's prophet, then we are rejecting God. You know, I, I can always tell when I'm, 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 I'm slipping. I can always tell. You know how I can tell? But Kevin, you know how I can tell I need to get in the altar? Is when there's this, I can, I can only speak for me, but there's this prideful spirit that comes on me. It's an arrogant spirit. It's a, it's a mindset that says, but it says, don't you tell me what to do. That's just me. Maybe you don't, you don't feel like that, but can I, can I be honest with you? I always know that humility is leaving me and God's presence is leaving me. When I have this, this, this attitude, it says, you're going to talk to me like that. I don't have to listen to that. And then I become, I start justifying everything. Because that's what we can do. We're very good at it. We're very good at it. And, 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 and I wish we knew more scripture. Somebody put on the, on, on Facebook and I, I shared it. But Mark, he said, why, why are we surprised that people are, are making political views and, and, and assumptions without any facts? He said, why are we surprised? They've been doing that with the Bible for years. And so that's what we do, is we take this scripture and we take that scripture and we start justifying everything that we are doing. And we say, well, this is why pastor's wrong and this is why, why I shouldn't have, that he shouldn't have said this to me and this is why my spirit is okay. And so we start justifying. Our bitterness takes over. Our jealousy takes over. Our attitude takes over. Our mindset takes over. And now all of a sudden, we're no different than Israel because we're saying, I don't need you. Samuel, I'm going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do what the rest of the world is doing. And I'll let that govern my life. I want a democracy. Give me a democracy. Because I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Kings speak their own words, but prophets in contrast to a king speak only the words of God. It isn't their kingdom, it's God's kingdom. You see, that's what a true man of God is. is someone who builds God's kingdom and not their own. I don't know about you, but I believe we got a man of God that's trying to build God's kingdom and not his own. And I can say that probably better than anybody because I grew up. You want me to tell you why I am living for God? It's because I grew up in a house and I'm not doing this to pat him on the back. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't be in, in church right now if I didn't have a genuine father who led a church, who wasn't trying to build his own kingdom, that didn't get up here and preach about gossip, gossip and then gossiped at the table when we got home, that didn't get up here and talk about adultery and then committed adultery on the side. I had a man of God in my house 
that made me want to live for God, that, that lived a life that was holy and righteous. When we reject his divine authority, can I tell you what the God of this world is going to do? He's going to take our sons and he's going to put him to work for his military and not God's army. He's going to take our daughters. He's going to put them to work. They aren't exempt. He's going to take our, our sons. He's going to let them drive our chariots. He said, you get in the field, boy. You're going to work for the devil. You're going to work for the kingdom. And that's what's going to happen. I know I'm passionate tonight. But I'm tired of seeing our families been thrown to the curb because somebody has not got any depth in the Scripture and has no prayer life. And they're making spiritual decisions with a carnal relationship with God. It wouldn't be long until we see this come to pass. 1 Kings 12, 14. You can put it up if you want to and spake to them after the counsel of the young men saying, My father made your yoke heavy and I will add to your yoke. My father also chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. Israel refused to obey the voice of Samuel. They wanted a king like all the other nations. And 1 Samuel 8 and 19 says, skip on down just a few verses. It says, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, nay! But we will have a king over us. That we also may be like all the nations. And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. With all the warnings. With everything that Samuel did. It still wasn't enough. Brother Ashcroft, you know what keeps me going? When I feel like nobody's listening. When I feel like my family ain't even listening to me. When I feel like I'm preaching alone. And by at this pulpit. You know, you know what keeps me going? They did it to Samuel. They did it to Samuel. Even Moses at one point, he said, God, they're not, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe me. But you still got to preach it. And so Samuel, knowing he was going to fight a losing battle, he still had to preach the gospel. Hear me, church. Hear me, some of us in this place, we have made it this Let's not trade it in for this world. I can see us, some of us, looking, looking at life, wanting life that way. Wanting what it must be like. I'm telling you, it's crossed my mind before. I've seen, I've seen movies, I've watched shows. I have friends, and it's crossed my mind, Brother Willie, wondering what it must be like to live life on the edge like some of those, and what it must be like to, 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 to do that and live life carefree with no, no guideline, no book to, to get out. What it must be, but then I remember that there were some times that I tried that. You see, we forget, Brother Tommy, but there was a time in my life where I was rebellious enough to try that, and that's the very reason that I'm in this place now Dylan Keeman because when I did try that I almost lost my life I almost lost my future I almost lost my reputation I almost lost anything and everything about ministry and I got to God and I gave it to Him and I said God I don't want to be a part of this world stay with me 
So Israel got what they wanted and it wasn't but just a few generations later before Israel is divided. They would cry out about Solomon and now he's treated them and how his son was, was going to add to what had already been done. And they would cry, but there was no answer. We love King David and I understand. So I hope this doesn't sound controversial tonight, but let's be honest. The kingship and the monarch in Israel was an absolute failure. You put kings out there and we can talk about David and we can talk about a few revivals and a few awakenings out there and I can throw a king, king after king after king where evil was done. They wouldn't let go of the sins of Jer 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 Jeroboam over and over, generation after generation until 720 B.C. the northern kingdom would go in captivity and 586 B.C. the southern kingdoms would go into captivity and the temple would be destroyed and they would no longer even know how to worship because the temple was gone. Let me tell you, we are one generation away from losing this apostolic doctrine. We are just one generation, one generation that says, I don't want to be like that anymore. And then all of a sudden, there's a world without truth in it. They never saw it. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I can watch and I can see even as a young man over the years, you can see worldliness creeping in to the church. You can see it. You can see it in the congregation. You can see it in the kids. You can see it on the stages. You can see it everywhere inching its way into the church. And just as Israel, we have seen the hand of God work in our lives and others, but yet we are still having a time loving His kingdom because we are falling in love with this world's kingdom. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. And because of that, we are losing individuals and whole families because people have been infected and distracted by a love for this present world. John 15 and 19 says, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. There is nothing in this Bible that says we are to base our lives according According to this world or that we are to run our churches according to this world nothing absolutely nothing we are called out of this world I wish I could get somebody to clap their hands right now we are called out of this world we are ambassadors the world is not our home this is not our home can I tell you I love America I love America and I think over the last several weeks, I'm very proud of some of the decisions that were made in America. I, for, for, for the first time in many years, I'm excited about where we are headed. I love America. And I, I'm telling you, I'm as patriotic as they come. I'll fight for our flag. I'll fight for our freedom. I believe in that. But can I tell you, my God is not American. He's not Europe, European. He's, he's the King of Kings. And He's the Lord of Lords. He's not of this world. 
Titus says that we should deny ungodliness. God doesn't come down and say, well, I see why you live that way because that's our culture. It's not his culture. It's not his culture. It's not his culture. John said, do not love the world or anything in this world. If the love of the world is in him, the love of the Father is not. You hear me? I like horses, but I love his kingdom. I like golfing, but I love his majesty. I enjoy college football, but I love God Almighty. I love being from the South, but I understand I don't serve a God that's from Mississippi. I serve a God that's not of this world. I wish somebody would stand to their feet tonight and say, God, help me. Help me, God. Help me to be apostolic. Help me to be holy. Help me to be righteous. We better get it in our hearts. You may be seated. That God comes first. We better get it in our children. That His kingdom is first and foremost. I hear people say all the time, it's a different day, it's a different culture than it used to. Nowhere does it say that your belief of the culture or your belief is, is cons considered anything for what this, this culture we live in. Even Paul said, does nature itself not teach you? He taught nature, not culture. If he would have taught culture, he would have taught the day that he lived in. But he understood that his culture that he lived in was evil. It was evil. And so he said, does nature itself not teach you? He went all the way back to the beginning of time when there was no culture. There was no ideology. There wasn't anything that was planned. There wasn't anything that was developed. He said, does nature not teach you? Somebody hear me. Quit letting the world twist you. Don't you let the world twist you. Don't you let it get a hold of your heart. We're apostolic. We're apostolic. We're God's people. We are a chosen generation. We are a peculiar people. We're, we're separated under God. We're a royal priesthood. We're not somebody that's twisted and molded by this world. We've been born again. We've been born again. My father is not the president. My father is not the governor. My father lives in heaven. My father is the almighty God. I hope I'm helping somebody. So the next time you go home and you sit down and you realize that that show is indoctrinating your family and you said, I'm, I'm not preaching against shows. I'm not, I'm not. I, my children watch shows. Me and my wife, we have a good time watching clean shows and different things. But while you're watching that, you remember that that's not what God called you to be. It's not what God called you to be. No, 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 no. He didn't call you to be worldly. He called you to be holy. He called you to be pure. He called you to be righteous. He called you to be genuine. He called you to be sincere. He called you to be a soul winner. He called you to be a prayer warrior. He called you to be an intercessor. He called you to be a church goer. He called you to be faithful. He called you to be dedicated. He called you to be consecrated. He called you, I'm telling you right now, we better make sure that we're getting a hold of this thing. Demas has forsaken Paul says why and then it says this 
because he loved what this present world he loved this present world can i tell you what i feel brother mendenhall told me this one time he said corey he said you know what i feel about demons he said i don't think he was an alcoholic he said, I don't think, I don't think that he was a, a fornicator. No, he said, I honestly think that he just loved living in this world. And this world had such a hold on him that he couldn't, he had to forsake one or the other. Let me tell you, there's some good people sitting in this place. But let me tell you, we cannot love this world. We cannot look and say, oh, oh, this is what I want. I don't want to leave this. I don't, I don't want, we can't get it, get a, get a hold of our hearts. Here's what the Lord says in John 8, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom isn't a democracy. There isn't an election needed, Brother Tommy. There is no political party. There is no Republican party or, or Democratic party. This is, this is a, a monarchy and Jesus is the king. There is no question who is in charge. This isn't my church. This isn't your church. This is his church. I don't care how big my tithes are. I don't care what my offering was last month we can't buy his church it's already been purchased this is God's church it's God's church I wish somebody would stand to their feet right now and say oh God let me tell you you can't vote God out and you can't vote God in God is already here whether I disagree with what his word says or I agree with it God is God and that settles it I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh. Go ahead, somebody. What am I saying? We've got to make sure the church doesn't just become part of our culture. You see what I'm saying? It's not just part of my culture. It's not, it's not a country song. It's, it's not, I go to church on Sunday and drink beer on Monday. It's, it's not part of my culture, Brother Tommy. It's, it's not, I know this is tough preaching, but it's the word of the Lord and I can give you word if you want me to. It's not of this world. It's not, I can go to church on Sunday and have an adultery on Saturday night. It is not, we have got to realize, we have got to be apostolic. We have got to be holy. We have got to be righteous. This is God's church. I don't get to make the rules. So Hollywood doesn't get to make the rules. Nashville doesn't get to make the rules. The rules have been set in place. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth. But my word is forever settled in heaven. We must be apostolic. We're going to have our families in 20 years. It's going to be because somebody wasn't afraid of their children and was honest with them about the truth and love. If we're going to have a church for future generations, it's going to be because somebody stood up against the pressure of the enemy and say, I refuse to give in. I don't care where society's taking us. I don't care what shows are being played on television. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care how many marches are going on in Washington. I don't care how many protests. I don't care what's going on. 
We got to have a church that believes what thus saith the word of the Lord. And we don't base our belief off of what some singer says or what some actor says. But we base and we get our answers from what thus saith the word of God. Ephesians 4 and he gave some apostles and some prophets. I know I'm going long but I'm, I'm hurrying I promise. And some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure the stature the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro carry about with every wind of doctrine but slate of men. You know what needs to happen in this church? There needs to be people that's so indoctrinated with truth that there is no wind that can blow them around. That when our friend on the work site comes and said, this is what I believe, there's so much word in us that says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Don't bring that trinity to me. You gotta, you gotta understand that I have revelation. We're going to be a book of Acts church, a true church. Not a crowd-seeking church. Not a church that will say whatever it takes to get someone to make their membership here. But a life-changing church. It's going to be because somebody fell in love with this truth. They fell in love with this truth. And you know what happens when you fall in love with the truth? You don't just let just anything slide because something I remember... I remember when I was in, I, I just got in church and I was at the Walmart distribution center and there was a, a man there that came to me and usually I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pushover sometimes, I really am. And I won't just say a whole lot because I don't want, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. I want everybody to love me. I want to love me and I didn't say anything. You got to say it with love. You can't say it with anger. I'm not crazy and I'm talking to you probably. How I, 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 not probably. I wouldn't talk like this to just anybody. I'm giving meat. This is Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night. You guys are the core of the church. I'm giving meat. It's not milk. And I'm preaching to us how Paul would probably preach to us. But he came to me and he started talking about some things. And he started giving me some things. And I won't I won't say and go into detail. But I, I was almost going to walk off. And something gripped my heart by the time. He, and I said, I can't let that poor man leave this place. And thinking that's the truth. I can't do it. I can't do it. God had already been dealing with me. And I had an obligation to, to, to speak the truth. I watch my dad at funerals. He does it with love. But he sets forth. Let me tell you, there's so many funerals that go on where every preacher just put everybody in heaven. Just literally put everybody in heaven. They could live, they could live the most awful lifestyle. They could live the most unrighteous life. Can I tell you, I said it a few Wednesday nights ago, you cannot live an unrighteous life and die a righteous death. What does the word of the Lord say? What, wherever a tree lied falleth, that shall, there shall it lie. You're not going to be able to fix it. And there is no purgatory. You're not going to be able to pray nobody out of this. And so however I die, that's the way it is. And I watch my dad with love. It's so many funerals, so many funerals where messages are so hard to preach but he's got an obligation to this truth and he'll get up here and he'll give everything that's good about him and he'll love them but not one time will he put them in heaven because there's still people sitting in here and if we tell them that they, that he made it they may think that they're okay too but we gotta have somebody that'll live this thing that'll preach this thing that'll teach this thing you can stand to your feet.
But Jeremy, you can play softly. I know I preached long tonight. And I know it probably hurts a little bit. But it'll make us better. It'll make us stronger. You know what I get so tired of seeing? It hurts me. I'm so sick of seeing people live for God for just a while. But because they have no foundation under them. I'm telling you, I really feel like the reason I'm dedicated and I'm committed was because I had parents who taught me. They taught me. They put a foundation. And sometimes I forget, Brother Willie, that not everybody was as, as fortunate as me. Sister Rita Irvin, they weren't as fortunate as me. And so I had parents that knew the Scripture. I'm telling you right now, you ain't going to get much on, on Pastor Porterfield and Sister Porterfield. I come up with all the excuses that I wanted to, Kissy, and it wasn't it didn't do no good. It didn't do no good. So Sue, I'd come up with all kinds of Sister Becky remembers them days, don't you, Sister Becky? But there was truth in them. There was truth in them. They didn't have a weak, watered-down gospel inside them. They didn't have something that was soft. They understood that Jesus wasn't just a softy. That he was a man's man. That he did it with love, but he would tell you, see, people that don't know the scripture, they just think he was a softy that they couldn't tell. They didn't know scriptures like John 8 and 24, where it says, Except ye believe that I am healed. Jesus says, Except ye believe that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Jesus, the one that, that, that this world portrays as Jesus would never be honest with that stuff. He would never be, he would never say anything out of the way. The same do they make him to seem as, as if he's limp-wristed, as if he's soft, as if he's weak, if he doesn't have a backbone. But you're talking about a man that took 39 stripes where most men died. He lived. He was a man's man. And he didn't stop there, but they threw a tree on his back. I don't serve a sissy God. He walked up that hill with a tree on his back. Let me tell you, if we're going to be Christ-like, we better love people. But we better love them enough that we live a life that's holy, that's righteous, and that we have enough revelation and enough depth in the Word that we look at them and we say, Hey, this is what thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm going to open these altars tonight. I know it was hard. I know it was tough. But hear me. We've got to make sure that we're not headed down the wrong road. Our path cannot be closer to this world. But our path better lead us to God. Oh God, oh God, help us, Lord. Help us, God. Help us, oh Father. God, draw us closer to you, Lord. We've got a generation coming up behind us. We've got a church coming up behind us, Lord. God. We must have an apostolic church.
We must be apostolic for our grandbabies. We must be apostolic for our children. We must be apostolic for our community, Lord. We've got to be holy. God, I'm not American. I am American. But God, first, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God that's been born again, God. And my obligation is to you, Lord. My obligation is to you. Somebody get close to Him. Somebody pray right now. Somebody worship Him right now. Jesus at the center of